There's a humorous stereotype of the homeschooled genius who masters calculus in the second grade, becomes a chess champion, or does the round of the talk shows to sell his new book because he's just that precocious. <laughs> well, have we got a treat for you. The busy entrepreneur you're about to meet, John Luzonis, is a homeschooled teen entrepreneur who has done all of those things and much, much more. Stay with us. Welcome to Homeschooling Saints, the podcast that helps you create the homeschool you love for the people you love. Our host is Lisa Maladnik, a Catholic life coach, TV host, best-selling author, and an instructor at Homeschool Connections. Hello and welcome. John Luzonis is here with us today to tell us what it's like to be a homeschooled teen entrepreneur. I'm your host, Lisa Maladnik, and it's my pleasure to introduce the young man who also edits this program. We love John Luzonis. He's 16 years old. He lives in Naples, Florida. He's been homeschooled his whole entire life. At the age of 13, he wrote his own book, Kid Trillionaire, How a Little Kid Can Make a Big Fortune, and has currently sold nearly 1,500 copies. He is the host of the Kids Get Rich podcast, which has nearly 100 episodes. John is a full-time entrepreneur and is dedicated to helping other kids make money. He's also a chess champion and teaches other kids chess online. John has appeared on television eight times and has been featured in international media. He's also an avid piano player. You can reach out to John, and we have a couple of links for you here at kidsgetrich.com forward slash book. And we also have another place where you can find him if you're interested in his chess programs, and that'll be in the show notes. Hey, John, it's so good to see you. Welcome to the program. Thank you very much for having me. Oh, yeah. I've been really looking forward to this because you've been such an integral part of the success of this program, the way you smooth out all my mistakes and, and, and fix our sound problems and so many other wonderful things that you do. Would you step us into a little bit about your history as a homeschooled student? What's that journey been like for you? Yeah, so I remember when I was really young, you know, my dad, he, he traded derivatives on the Philadelphia Stock Exchange and you know, when I was born, he continued to work from home. And so I was real little and he would always teach me even, even at three years old, he started doing math with me because, you know, he's a really big math guy. And so I was doing math and then, you know, like everybody else, he put his kids, put me and my sister to kindergarten. And while I was in kindergarten, one day I came home and I announced to him that we learned how to count to five, but he had already taught me how to count all the way up to 50 and to add and subtract. So he was like, all right, all right, I, we can do better than this. So, <laughs> and he was reading several books on homeschooling at the time. So he decided to pull me and my sister out. I didn't go to, did I say kindergarten earlier? I mean, I went to preschool. Uh, <laughs> now I think they're teaching how to count to five and maybe first grade now. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> they seem to be dropping the standards. Yeah. So he pulled me and my sister out and he started teaching us at home and we did a lot of academics at a young age. So by the time I was seven years old, yeah, I was doing calculus. And really from there, we, we stopped focusing on the math and the science and stuff. We focused more on writing and we focused on chess and piano. And since about 2016, I've been full time really focused on entrepreneurship and business. And now I'm 16 today. So that's my sort of homeschooling journey. Are you saying today is your birthday? 
Oh, no. (laughs) I turned 17 in November. Oh, okay, cool. All right. So, and I just want to point out to everybody, if the name Lazonis is ringing a bell, that's because every month you hear a great feature from John's dad, Dan Lazonis, who does the Einstein Blueprint feature every month. Yeah, so Dan is the primary homeschooler in this household, and his kids are amazing. So, John... What kinds of lessons along the way have really stood out to you that have helped you to move into that entrepreneurial space? Well, you know, when I was younger, I always wanted stuff, right? You know, kids want things. I always wanted transformer sets. I wanted Legos. I wanted books. But I, I discovered something really unfortunate. That stuff costs money. <laughs> and my parents, uh, they, they didn't give me an allowance, really. <laughs> so every year I was dependent. I was waiting until birthday or Christmas or whatever to hope that maybe I got some of the things that I wanted to. And I didn't really like that system, but (laughs) I didn't know that there was another way. So when I was about 10 years old, I was living in London at the time. I was living in London and there was this French cafe down the street. It was really popular and it was rated very highly on TripAdvisor. It was like one of the top 10 restaurants in all of London, believe it or not. But they didn't have a website. So I went up to the owner. I said, hey, Mr. Matt, do you want me to make you a website? Because I had been learning how to code uh, previously that year. So he said, yeah, sure. I love a website. So I made him a website for 40 British pounds. At the time, it was like 60 bucks. And I was really excited. And I went, I wasted it on some random junk. But (laughs) this was the first money I made. That was, uh, I mean, really, that that was like the first time I ever made real money. Before, yeah, I had lemonade stands or whatever that, you know, lemonade stands, everybody's tried it. It doesn't really work. It doesn't make that much money dependent on the weather. So in my book, I have a whole section on ways to make money that are infinitely better than having a lemonade stand. I love that. John, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I love it that you noticed something in your environment, something local that was happening. Uh, You noticed that there was a need for a website. And so you took the initiative to go and start that conversation and it resulted in your first contract. Yeah, it was, it was very exciting because I, I had never, I, 60 bucks. I mean, to grow up 60 bucks is not a lot of money. (laughs) To me today, 60 bucks is not a lot of money, but for 10-year-old me, oh, wow, this is crazy. So then, yeah, I tried to find more people to build websites for. And I expanded to other things like podcast editing. I have, I've been doing that really since like 2016. Yeah, I still do a little today, not as much as I did back then. And yeah, it's, you know, one of the lessons I learned, I'd say the biggest lesson is that, yeah, if you want things, you got to work for them, but it's actually not that hard. It seems harder than it is. And what ways have you found to kind of tap into your own areas of enthusiasm? Like it's one thing to work hard, but how do you work hard in areas that are exciting to you so that you're motivated and focused? So I mostly do a lot of work in tech and, you know, tech, it's not something that I love, but it's something that I'm comfortable doing. And when I get into a flow, yeah, I can, I can enjoy it. And that that was mostly what I did up until 2018. Now I focus more on business. And, you know, business, especially my business, I help other kids with making money. Yeah, with business, you definitely get to choose what you do. Might not always be profitable. (laughs) (laughs) So you have to find that, you have to find the the in-between now. And I've definitely been been blessed because this is something that I've been having a lot of fun doing. I love going on TV. I love going on podcasts like this. I love talking 
talking to kids. I love talking to parents. Uh, one of the ways you know, I mentioned I sold over or nearly 1500 copies of my book. Well, most of them I actually sold by hand, person to person, face to face. I would get a little table. I would go on 42nd street back when I lived in New York city and I would just set up and I would talk to people for hours and I would sell lots of books. I'll make a lot of money. I have a good time doing it. Wow. That's very impressive. Just at a young age, I know that uh, your parents wanted to be in Manhattan because that was such a great place to raise a family and have interesting opportunities for conversations and, and other kinds of interactions that you might not find in the suburbs. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Manhattan, now we're not there anymore. And I wouldn't say it's the same place that it was a year ago. I don't think it's as safe. I, don't, I mean, a lot of the things that made it great aren't really there anymore. But back when I was there, yeah, it was awesome. I mean, like even like every Tuesday, I would basically be by myself all day. I would go to a homeschool sort of class in the morning. I would, and I would take the train all the way down from 103rd Street to 14th to go to take a Japanese class. And then I would hop on the LIRR and go out to Long Island for a Boy Scout meeting. And that, yeah, it was, I, had a, I had a great degree of independence. A lot of, I, I learned how to do things by myself. And I, it was definitely... I think it was really, really awesome that we went to New York City. We were in there uh, when, when we were, from when I was like 13 to 15. Wow, that's amazing because all that experience then kind of opens the world to you. You have a level of confidence and, and skill, uh, people skills and, you know, navigating obstacles and figuring out, you know, how to get to destinations and all of that. Who are your heroes? My heroes, well, in terms of business, uh, I think my my biggest hero is Warren Buffett because really he's like he's like the ideal. I mean, when he was my age, he had I think three to four thousand dollars, but back then it was worth a lot more than that. It was nearly sixty seven thousand dollars, sixty eight thousand dollars, and he was just you know we all we all know because we we all heard of him. Oh well, he became a billionaire when he was fifty or whatever. That proves it's never too late to get started. And that is true. You can always get started. But I think what's more important is how he started 20 businesses by the time he was out of high school. Right? He was six years old. He was buying a six pack of Coke cans and selling them for twenty for, for $1.25 and selling each can for 25 cents each, trying to get that little profit. Well, it definitely, the lesson stuck with him, obviously, because he's very successful today. Yeah, there's things you can't learn without doing them, right? And and so often people who appear to be overnight successes started right at the very bottom rung and fought their way through. And so many people who have really successful businesses have had many businesses fail before they finally had one succeed. That's what fa fascinates me about entrepreneurism. Yeah, yeah. I think about uh, Sean Parker, who was famous for being, I think, I think he was the president of Facebook. He was very successful with it, made billions. But before then, he had two major, major failures. I mean, he was the CEO of Napster, and we all know what happened with Napster. Uh, <laughs> luckily, they fired him from his own company before they got sued for a trillion. But oh, no. if he had said he would have been a he would have been a negative kid trillionaire. <laughs> <laughs> and he had another business that also like really went to nothing. He got booted out of his own business again, which I, it always cracks me up. It's like taking care of a dog feeding it, picking up his poop, and the dog turns around and bites you on the head. <laughs> but then, then he, he found Facebook and that, that was his, you know, that was his big hit. You only need, I forget the quote, the exact quote, but you only need 
you only need to get it hit a grand slam once, right? That's right. That's right. And and I'm sure that if we asked him to dissect his journey, he would tell you that he couldn't have succeeded where he is today if he hadn't had those past experiences to learn from. Oh yeah, absolutely. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, okay. Any particular stories about? launching into something new and what it taught you. Yeah. So when I first launched my business, Kids Get Rich, I didn't really have a book or anything. I just made these videos and I put them in a membership site and I got people to sign up for free and they got a couple free videos. And, you know, I learned that something that's hard to do, especially in my business, it's hard to get people interested in things, right? It's easier to find the people who are already interested Right, you know, you know the saying: if if you build it, they will come. It's better to build it in a spot where a bunch of people are waiting. Interesting. And so, how do you find those people who are waiting? Like, what did you do that shifted it for you? Well, one thing I do, I do it for a couple of reasons. I learn a lot. I also meet a lot of people. I go to these business conferences. I obviously haven't been going to as many recently. Hopefully, we got one in September coming up. That that should be good. But I've been to over the past four years, since 2016, I've been to over 20 business events and conferences. And I meet all these other entrepreneurs who are like-minded, who are also interested in business, and they're usually interested in their kids learning business too. So I've had a lot of success there. You know, my favorite is this one in, uh, well, it was in Nashville, it'll be in Orlando this year, but it's called uh, Funnel Hacking Live. And you go there and you meet all these people, young people, old people, all selling things online with their own businesses. And yeah, you you really want to be in the right sort of, really want to put yourself in the right sort of spot. You know, I'm not going to go to, well, maybe I'm not going to go to the library or whatever, because there's really not a lot of people looking to make money in the library. I'm not going to go to the grocery store. I'm going to go where my people are. Right. And that's an interesting question. Like if I'm going to build something, where are the people who already know about the value of what I do? And there you are talking to parents who might want their kids to have some mentorship in this area. And how cool to be in that environment too, where they're going to appreciate what you're doing. They're going to say, look at this. I want my kid to meet this kid. Yeah, exactly. Why would you spend your time trying to convince people to want what you're offering and then, and then, you know, sell them on what you're doing. Instead, why don't you find people who are already, you know, believe, oh, well, in my case, oh, my kids, they need to make money. I need some good resources for them. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting, too, that you get to have one foot in each world where you're a young person who needs their own independence and might need other voices in your life besides your parents at this point. Of course, carefully chosen voices, all the parents are thinking right now. But you can be that other voice to other kids. In other words, well, you're, you're really a young man at this point, but you can be that other voice to them that's not a parent's voice, even if you're teaching the same lessons. Oh, yeah, no, kids. I mean, they always need to hear from other kids. You know, and one thing that's big in my in my writings is I, I write about these people I call kid trillionaires. You know, my book is called Kid Trillionaire, so it's sort of after that. But it's basically it's it's kids and teens who are making a lot of money in a bunch of different ways. And you know, I even have like three requirements to be a kid trillionaire, everything I got down to the sides. But it's really <laughs> important that other kids they hear because kids see as a grown up making money, they're like, oh yeah, whatever, big whoop, they're a grown up. But when they see other kids making money, they're like, whoa. I can do that too. So, and 
yeah, I've, I've collected, I say, uh, nearly 300 kid trillionaires you know, wow. and, they're all, and they're all making a lot of money. They're doing crazy things. Like my favorite is one kid who's like making money off of spam calls. Apparently like, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know exactly how he does it, but when he gets a spam call, apparently you can like, you can send them a letter, a form letter. Uh, threatening to take them to court and they'll send you money. So, and he bought a BMW. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Someone's turning the tables on spam. That is hysterical. I support that 100%. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's a great example. All right. So you got started doing kind of following your instincts and taking some of the lessons you were learning from your business minded dad and putting them into motion with approaching a business owner or selling books on the street, starting to pick up on uh, needs in the right locations and all of that. How do you keep the pieces working together? You're here, you are a high school student, you're a person of faith. What's the glue and how do you make everything work? Well, I've always been a pretty easygoing person. You know, there's, there's some people in my family, I won't name them, but you know, when things, <laughs> when things get ugly, um, sometimes they, they can't handle it too well. But I've always just been, well, it happens. It happens. <laughs> I think, I think it's definitely good to be easygoing. Now, some things I might be a little too easy going on. Uh, like, like my dad will say, like how clean my room is. <laughs> <laughs> but, I'm checking know. the box for you being a normal kid after all. <laughs> <laughs> well, some things, you know, my view on that is some things are really important. Some things are not. <laughs> no, it's, it's good to, <laughs> it's good to have a neat room because then it shows your mind is neat as well. And yeah, that, that's really something I've been trying to focus on. I've been trying to get every area of my life up to speed, right? I don't want anything lagging behind, but yeah, considering keeping it all together. Well, I'd always say if something you're doing isn't really working out. Well, there's this, have you heard of Genius Network at all? I don't think so. Yeah, it's this guy, Joe Polish, and he has like a, he has a rule. He says everything in their life should be ELF, which stands for easy, lucrative, and fun. Now, obviously not everything we're doing could be all three of those, but I like to have at least one of them. Yeah, so if it's, if it's easy, okay. If, it's, if it makes me a lot of money, all right. If it's fun, good. If it's two of those, that's awesome. But if, you know, if something's really not any of those, like figure you have to figure out, well, is this really important? Can I get rid of it? And yeah, over the years, you know, I've given up some things that were a waste of time and that I wasn't enjoying. And you know, it's, you got to do that if you want to stay, you want to stay happy. Sometimes you got to say no to good things so you can say yes to great things. That's a that's a really important one. One of my favorite books is Stephen Covey's Seven Habits uh, of Highly Successful People. And one of the things he says is that sometimes the good is the enemy of the best. There's so many good options that we never get around to that. What you, like you said, the great that great option, that thing that's really going to to matter to us and to give us a fulfillment of some of our core values. What really what really kind of floats your boat and makes your life make sense. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Some things, yeah, just skip them. Some things, even that they look good, yeah, sometimes you gotta you gotta turn them down. Yeah, amen. Yeah, tell us a little bit about the role that faith plays in in you making your life work. 
Well, I definitely think uh, above all else, God is going to be the most important thing in everybody's life. Even if they're an atheist or whatever, well, their God is then themselves. <laughs> Everybody, <laughs> as, as humans, we're spiritual beings, so we always, we were, we're always looking up to something. Yeah, I think, uh, I think, I try to, I try to view my business as sort of like a connected with the gospel, right? Because the gospel is the good news, and you know, my business, I'm always making sure. Well, you know, something that a lot of people, other Christians. Like, well, well, it's not good to be chasing after money. And I definitely agree. You know, money, well, the love of money is the root of all evil. So, you know, I'm always making sure, well, am I, am I focusing on God or money here? Right. And well, yeah, just like one thing I saw recently, I was going to, my, I was considering writing about this teen entrepreneur and I was looking into what he's doing and he's like saying, oh, well, I'm supporting vice industries, which are like tobacco and stuff. I'm like, oh no, I'm not going to write about that. That's uh, inconsistent with what's right. Mm -hmm. So I think, yeah, I think everything you do in your life should align up with what God wants. And you always have to pray about big, important decisions before doing them. You always have to, you know, look through scripture, see, well, if you're not sure what to do for something you like, I always like to do like, well, what, what would, what would Jesus do? Right. If you have to ask yourself, well, Jesus really say this would really Jesus really do it. If that's, if that's no, or even a maybe, then maybe don't do it. Yeah. And something we don't focus on too, is that as a carpenter in a small town, he really was an entrepreneur. He was a craftsman, but he had to get clients and he had to please them and he had to deliver his product on time. He was, he spent most of his life running a business. Yeah. I mean, he was, he worked, you know, that's God, God said it was, I believe in the book of Ecclesiastes, that it's good for humans to work. It's a blessing. Yeah, and the worker is worth his wage. There's nothing evil about making a living. Yeah, no, it's very, very good. And um, and I hear that you, to some degree, find refreshment not only in your faith, but in kind of making sure that what you're about lifts you up. That it's that it's meaningful in that sense. That underlying sense is that it aligns with your values, but also that it's kind of fun that there's ease or there's some kind of value that it gives back, whether it's monetary or enjoyment or both. Um, what else refreshes you when you're, you've been working really hard? Well, so I teach a lot of chess, but I don't even consider that my work. It's, it's, it's fun for me. It's, it's, it is easy, lucrative and fun. <laughs> and yeah, I probably, well, I teach a class on Monday and Thursday. I have private, private students almost every day of the week. Uh, I got one tonight in a couple hours. Uh-huh. And yeah, it's definitely something that's easy and fun. And I, yeah, I love it. That's like a sort of thing that, yeah, I love doing. And it's, it doesn't even feel like work to me. And so that's something, yeah, it's always good to figure out some way to monetize something that you like to do. And usually you can. Yeah. And there's something very relational about that too, because you're teaching while you're earning you're also having relationships and, and that can, can continue to feed our lives as well, just having those good relationships. Yeah. Any final thoughts for parents and students listening who might just be hesitating a little, just on the fence about starting their own business? Well, I'll tell you, this is the easiest time to do it, you know, especially for kids. You know, when you're older, you got to pay taxes. You got you to gotta pay rent. You got to pay for a phone bill, electrical bill, 
you gotta you might have another some mouths to feed. So this is definitely this is definitely the best time to do it. You know, there's I in my book there's a couple I give a couple more reasons why it's the best time when you're young. But really, well, there's the Chinese proverb: the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time is today. Nice. <laughs> right. So it's yeah, it's really yeah, it's not going to get easier. And the earlier you start, really, the more the more successful you'll be. The more time you'll have to make mistakes, the more time you'll have to figure it out. And when when you're younger, you're just better at learning, so you'll be able to learn from your mistakes. You'll be able to learn from others more easily. So I would definitely just start right now. Wow. I love that. It's like learning a new language because we have we sort of have to find that framework for even understanding what it is to build a business and to create a market or find a market for what you know what matters enough to us to build. So it really is uh, just in every on every level a great time to begin when we're young. Yep, definitely. Yeah. Oh my gosh, this has been so much fun, John just want to thank you for for taking us through this for what's important to you about it what it means to you i love to hear your energy and that you have heroes and and goals and that's just wonderful as a parent to hear a young person uh so aware of life and so ready to kind of grab it with both hands can't thank you enough john for being on the show today thank you very much for having me (laughs) you're most welcome all right everybody stay tuned for our short feature coming right up Hello, my homeschooling friend. I'm Celeste Behe, and this is the Homeschool Housefly. Let me ask you a question. Do your kids ever do school in their pajamas? I can hear you nodding. As Frankie the Housefly would be quick to report, my kids have done school in pajamas, as well as in sweat clothes, Tangsudo uniforms, and if you count summertime reading lessons at school, swimsuits. Have I felt guilty about it? Well, no and yes. No, because keeping school relaxed and fuss-free makes me a better teacher. And yes, because of something called enclothed cognition. Enclothed cognition is the term for the effect that clothes have on the wearer's psychological process. In a recent study, participants who wore what they thought were doctor's lab coats demonstrated improved abstract thinking and, listen up now, greater focus. Yeah, they were able to stay on task and perform those tasks more successfully than a group who wore what they thought were painter's frocks. Now, I'm aware of no studies showing that homeschooled kids in crisp collars will make better students than kids in faded Minecraft t-shirts. But even if such studies existed, who's to say that your own experience would be borne out by them? After all, results may vary. Still, it's something to think about. Should we not crack open those school books until our kids are properly dressed? And even then, 
How dressed would they need to be? Should we go so far as to consider uniforms? Kendra Tierney, the homeschooler extraordinaire over at CatholicAllYear.com, thinks so. Her kids wear uniforms consisting of polo shirts and either shorts or skirts. Although Kendra doesn't mention its cognitive benefits, she does say that in her homeschool, uniform wearing has resulted in less laundry and less stress. And it makes the Tierney School seem more legit to both her and her children. With options ranging from pajamas to polos, there's no ideal homeschool dress code, just as there's no one right way to homeschool. It's all about what is best suited to the goals, the teaching methods, and the learning styles of your homeschooling family. I'm Celeste Beatty, and this is the Homeschool Housefly. That's our show for today. Our program is sponsored by homeschoolconnections.com, where you can get online courses for your grade school, middle school, and high school student. Learn from the experts and make your homeschooling easier. Be sure to leave a review and share this podcast with your friends. And we'll see you next time here on the Homeschooling Saints podcast.